to say it's a beautiful day here in Chicago, but it's not. It's ugly, it's rainy, it's gray. But all that means to me is that fall is coming. Welcome everyone back to the Fight Podcast. As always, I am your host, Serge Vicente. And today, oh, I'm excited about today, man. Today we are getting ready. We're going to break down this weekend's most anticipated, one of the most anticipated fights in, of the year, one of the most anticipated fights in a long time. We are going to talk about UFC 243. That's going to be in Melbourne, Australia. And that is with Israel, the last style bender Adesanya against the reigning defending champion Bobby Knuckles himself. This should be a good one, man. Really, really good fight. Robert Whitaker is going to defend his belt against the interim champion, Israel Adesanya. Man, I cannot wait, man. This should be a really, really fun card. Uh, But also today we have some fight news. We got to break down the fight news. And not only do we have fight news, we also have some incredible fight announcement, man. So all in all, yo, I hope you are all having an amazing week. I hope you've been enjoying the episodes that we've been putting up for you guys. If you have not had an opportunity to check them out already, remember, everywhere podcasts are available, you can listen to the Fight Podcast. Check us out. This week, we had an amazing interview with Alejandra Azul Lara. She is one of the best female fighters in the world. She has fought already once for the Bellator Flyweight Championship, and she is back on the, the pretty much the the track man she's trying to get another title shot so um if you guys have not had an opportunity to check that out please go ahead and do so that is episode 144 of the fight podcast and also an episode 143 i went ahead and broke down all the crazy fight action of this past weekend man That was that great fight card with Errol Spence Jr. and Sean Porter. That's already a fight of the year candidate. Yo, it is hilarious. I've had so many people since then hit me up and try to argue. Oh, man, he's ducking. Errol Spence is ducking Crawford. Errol Spence is doing this. It's so funny to me how the haters come around. Once a champion is actually showing that he's a dominant champion. And I think think we all can relate, man. That is one of the things. That is how everyone knows that you're actually doing the right things. The man is grinded. He was one of those people that wanted a title shot. He craved a title shot. None of the big names in the sport gave it to him. And now he's the one with the belts. He's the one with the power. And here's the thing. I don't know if you guys have had an opportunity to check out or you don't follow Errol Spence. If you don't, you should go ahead and do so. But my man is already in the gym. He says he's trying to keep his weight down. He says he's trying to stay in shape. And with that being said, yo, you guys know we're always brought to you guys each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company here in Chicago. They go ahead and cook and deliver healthy, nutritious meals directly to your home or office, man. Check them out. That's www.sageeatschicago.com. You can check them out on all social media platforms at Sage Eats Chicago. And also, guys, as always, since we're already talking about it, shameless plug, let's go ahead and follow the Fight Podcast. Like I said earlier, we're everywhere podcasts are available. Go ahead, share, retweet, tell your friends, let us all know. And we're also everywhere um, on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast, man. But speaking of the fight, Usually I like starting off a little fight news and doubling back But yo, I am so excited about this card this weekend We're just gonna go ahead and jump right into it, man So let's go ahead and jump into it This weekend, Melbourne, Australia The biggest arena This arena has actually been the arena that had the biggest, the largest gate in UFC history That's when Holly Holm faced Ronda Rousey in that amazing uh performance by holly home where holly home knocked out ronda rousey we're back in melbourne 
first time back in Melbourne. Uh, this is a soccer stadium, man. This is a huge stadium, fits over 60,000 people, man. And they're anticipating a big sellout because look, man, these two gentlemen, one represents Australia, lives, trains in Sydney. The other is from New Zealand. He's actually from Nigeria, but he lives and trains now in New Zealand. You have the Kiwis versus whatever you call the, the Aussies. <laughs> um, this is the biggest fight in oceanic combat sports history. Two of the biggest names. Both of them have a share of the title at 185 pounds in the UFC. And check it out. The winner of this fight arguably becomes the biggest name in the sport. Specifically, Israel Adesanya, especially if he goes out there and continues the way he's been dominating, man. So this card, all in all, is a solid card. I'm not going to say it's the greatest card. It's not like UFC 244 that's going to be an MSG, but it's still an amazing card. So many big names. The main event and co-main event, I'll be honest with you, I'd pay $100 just to see those two fights. That's Israel Adesanya and Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker himself. And then the co-main event is Raging Ally Aquinta, New York's finest against New Zealand's finest and teammate of Israel Adesanya, Dan Hooker, man. Both of these fights have huge implications for their already you know, popping weight classes. You have to admit, 155 and 185 right now, specifically in the UFC, are two of the hottest weight classes out there. Think about it. All the stuff that's been going on, obviously, with Khabib. You got the Connor drama. You have everything that happened with him and Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson, all of these incredible names there. And then you have 170, which is also an amazing weight class. But let's go ahead and skip over it and say 185. Good God. The amount of talent in these weight classes I'm going to be honest with you. I have paid attention and followed and been a part of this sport for a very long time. Look, I started when I was in high school. So that's 2000. It's just, I've been involved in around this sports for 19 years at this point in time. And the fact that you have these guys, this is the most talented. This is the most athletic. These are the best athletes that I have ever seen in the sport. The sport is continually growing. And look, man. All the stats and figures and everything are out there. MMA is the fastest growing sport in the world. Almost 300 million fans worldwide. So think about it. If you have this many fans worldwide, what's happening is that people younger and younger and younger are starting to pay attention. People younger, younger and younger are actually starting to want to get involved. Wrestling programs are popping off. Jiu-jitsu programs are popping off. Everyone is loving it. And this 85 pound division is actually showing it. So the reason I'm actually highlighting a buck 85, obviously you have these guys who Honestly, are, are obviously we're talking about the title shot, right? But these athletes are athletes that tend to be bigger. These are guys who might have played football. And now look, you're like, Serge, 185. That's not like a big dude. He's like a normal sized guy. Yes, but you forget the people that fight at this weight class is probably walking around closer to 215. They're cutting weight to make this weight class. Now, granted, this actually isn't the case for the, the champion and the interim champion. They're kind of lighter guys, but these are huge guys in the weight class. So think about it. You have all these elite, huge athletes that a lot of times would have gone to other sports. Now we're starting to focus on MMA. Why is that? One, yes, it's the fastest growing sport in the world. Two, it is the most entertaining, the most compelling sport in the world. It's like grown man um, soap operas. There's storylines left and right, and there's no season. NBA, I can't wait for the NBA season to start. I love the NBA. Obviously, I grew up as a Bulls fan living here in Chicago. 
But come on, man. I was a Kobe dude. I, I love the Kobe and Shaq era. I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a I'm a LeBron fan. I know you guys are hating. It's totally fine. You can kick rock sideways. <laughs> I'm always still going to be a LeBron fan. I can't wait to see the NBA. I can't wait. And not only do we have great, you know, things going on in the NBA. Look, we got rat beef with Shaq and Dame Lillard. But I digress, man. That's a season. I'm so hyped for a season, a little point in time. You should see everybody freaking out about the NFL. I don't watch it, but at the same time, I understand the excitement that goes on in that sport. And people can't wait. Come on, man. I'm from Chicago. In Chicago, baseball is always split. If you actually pay attention to basketball, it's either basketball or hockey. So you're either a Bulls fan or you're a Blackhawks fan. Football is the one thing that all Chicago fans actually stand on together. So everyone's talking and can't wait for that one specific season to start. But MMA and combat sports, there is no season. Every week, every month, fam, I literally have my girl. I, I, I get excited. I'm like, oh, my God, babe, this I can't wait. This is a great fight weekend. She's like, Serge, I feel like you say that every weekend. But I do because it's true. It is true. There are so many incredible fights each and every week. Almost. We have a couple weeks off, which is kind of nice from time to time. But regardless, it's always great content. There's always great compelling matchups going up. And if there's not a fight, there's some kind of drama going on that we can talk about. So that is one of the things that people really love and gravitate to the sport. So we're seeing this amazing weight class in 185 pounds with all these elite athletes. You have the two champions that are going at it. You have um, uh, uh, Yoel Romero, Olympic silver medalist at 42 years old, still kicking butt. You have Paulo Costa, one of the biggest prospects in the sport. The list goes on and on. There are so many compelling matchups between 155 pounds to 185 pounds. And we have two of the biggest storyline makers coming up this weekend. So I can't wait. Now, in this fight, a lot of people have so many different opinions, specifically in terms of the main event. So if we go ahead and look at the main event, we have the two champions. We have Israel Adesanya, the last style bender. He's 15-0, running through everybody, truly destroying the world. He's truly one of those guys that everyone knows. He has that it factor, the it factor that not many individuals have. So again, he's the number one guy. He comes into it undefeated, never taking a loss, and... He had five fights in 14 months. He came into the UFC on fire and destroyed everybody. Legends, prospects, veterans, didn't matter who you were, you got it. Anderson Silva, a lot of people consider him the greatest of all time. Israel Adesanya destroys him. Derek Brunson, he is one of the litmus tests in MMA, especially in that weight class. If you can get past him, you've made it. You're one of those guys. You can do it. It's, it just continues building. It continues growing. It is such an incredible uh, rise that he's done. And I said 15 and 0. I'm sorry. He's 17 and 0 now. But he's fighting against Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker is a champion. 21 and 4 and has been an incredible run in those zone right now. I have a little I'll say beef, right? And the reason I say beef is this. A lot of people sit back and have always talked about how incredible Whitaker is, which he is. And I do give him a lot of props. But we do have to take into account that he has only fought twice in the last three years he's been battling injuries he was supposed to fight a couple months ago he had to get taken off of that card why because he ended up having a, a hernia that he had to have emergency surgery on it's not because of him obviously this is just bad luck shit happens it does 
but he has been active. So you have one guy who has not been active versus somebody who has fought five times in literally less than a year, like a year and a little bit. A lot of people don't believe in ring rust, but one thing I do believe it is momentum. So it is going to be, is the momentum of Adesanya going to be a bigger factor or is the time off of Robert Whitaker going to be the bigger factor because he has wrinkles in his game now that we've not seen. So let me go ahead and actually, and again, I like doing this from time to time, but really deep diving in, especially with a matchup this compelling. Let's go ahead and start off with the champion, Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker, a lot of people were trying to compare him, especially his coach to a George St. Pierre. And at first, I was definitely like, fam, you're talking about GSP, you're talking about Rush. To say that he's the same type of fighter, it's like, it doesn't make sense. How? George is a dominant champion who was an active champion who ended up actually, you know, who dominated a lot of his time on the ground. But then I started thinking about it. Both guys come from Kyokushin karate background. Both guys have trained with their nation's national wrestling team. Uh, Robert Whitaker even actually made the Australian national wrestling team and just did not was not able to compete because he had to defend his title against Yo Romero. So think about it. That means he has a legitimate wrestling background. So you look at those things and you're like, okay, I can I can start seeing the little bit of parallels, the well-roundedness, the taking on all comers, the 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 just the fortitude, the toughness. And that's something that Robert Whitaker, in my opinion, even more than anything else, is his biggest attribute, is his heart and his toughness. I'm gonna be honest with you. His last fight against Yoel Romero for the title, I had Yoel Romero winning. The reason I had Yoel Romero winning is because Yoel threw less punches, land, or should I say strikes, threw less strikes, but landed more strikes, had more takedowns, and had more knockdowns. So for me, I look at that and I say, I, I don't know how you win that fight when the other guy dictated everything. I go back and I watch the fight, but one thing that I can really take from it is he is tough as nails. He always comes forward. He has movement and he stays in your face. So if he's able to stay in your face and keep it pushing in the manner that he did, okay, okay I, I, I understand it. So his durability and his heart obviously has to be the top of his attributes. He's also super explosive. He comes out of nowhere. Most guys, let's say even if it is like a karate base, like a Conor McGregor, they're coming back and forth, right? They've bounced forwards and backwards, not as much laterally. Robert Whitaker does an amazing job of moving his feet. He does forwards, backwards, great footwork, bounces laterally, and he also holds his hands extremely low. So you never see where the punches are coming from. He's very fast. Remember, this is a guy who used to fight at 170 pounds. He really didn't want to cut weight anymore, so he bounced up. And now, again, he brought his power with him, and he's knocking people, people completely dead. Think about it. K.O.'s Jacare Souza. Whew, that's nothing to sneeze at. K.O.'s Derek Brunson. Come on, man. Again, Derek Brunson, that litmus test guy that I was talking about. Israel also beat him this past year. So, uh, Robert Whitaker has all these great attributes in him, man. Um, one thing that I've also noticed, and again, my biggest thing, and I think this is the one thing that people who are fans of Robert Whitaker can probably agree with. And they'll say, look, man, we don't know how many, what he's added to his game. Every time he comes back, he adds something else. When he was off before, he came back to fight Yoel Romero, and then he started using the same oblique kicks against Yoel that Yoel used against him the first time around. He's always adapting. And here's the thing. If he's somebody who's able, capable of making the Australian national wrestling team, that means he's back in there with them. That means he's really working hard and he's really developing in that realm. So all in all, man, he's a legitimate champ. He's a champion that can do everything. And that's one thing that I'll say about him. 
it's not that he does everything perfect. He's not a specialist in one thing, unlike his opponent. But he's extremely good. He, he's that renaissance man. He's, he's, not, he's not a master of anything, but he has a little bit of everything. And he's, when he, everything that he is good at, he's incredible at. Let me talk about the other side, though. Israel, the last style bender out of Sanya. He does an amazing job of controlling the distance. He dictates where this fight takes place with his smooth movements and more importantly, his fainting. He's the best in the sport at fainting. What is fainting? That's when you're essentially, you know, when dudes are in a street fight, they're acting like they're like they're flinching at each other. They're moving around and stuff. That That's fainting. You're you're flinching at an opponent to see what they're going to do to get them to commit to something so that you can go ahead and a download information or b expose when they're overextending themselves right israel adesanya and his team at city kickboxing believe that the more fainting you do the better they believe that the person who faints the best and faints the most wins the fights and think about it. Israel Adesanya is somebody who is 17-0. The majority of his wins are by knockout. So, who's the best at it? Who is going to outfaint who in this fight? And again, I start looking back at it. Israel Adesanya is an elite kickboxer. He is a specialist, unlike his opponent. He's somebody whom has a 73-3 kickboxing record. He's incredible. Fought for glory. Won everywhere he's been. Big power. Extremely patient. He has finishing instincts. Most guys, when they actually have somebody hurt, they chase him around. They're running everywhere, chasing dudes around, doing all kinds of stuff. They get themselves tired. When Israel gets you hurt, he stalks you. He doesn't waste punches. He doesn't waste moments. He lines them up, knocks you down. Extremely accurate striker, man. Um, and here's the thing, too. Let he, yes, he's a kickboxer. So a lot of people say, oh, take him down. It is what it is. But it's not that easy. He has incredible anti-wrestling. He's hard to get down. Each and every fight that he's had, people, he's it's getting better and better and better. And if you do have an opportunity to take him down, he actually is able to utilize his jiu-jitsu and his scrambling ability to get out of specific situations. So it's really, really dope. And again, like I said, this is a compelling fight. And here's the thing. Adesanya does a couple of different things that I think is really, really great. If he's on the outside, that's when he's at his best. He's able to go ahead and scope people using his long reach. His reach is way bigger than Robert Whitaker. He has an 80-inch reach. Robert Whitaker only has a 73-inch reach. So he does an incredible job of actually utilizing his height and actually scoping people from a distance with kicks and punches. But if you tend to get on the inside, he does an incredible job of making sure he tears you up with knees, knees to the body, fake knees to the body, big right hands over the top. So, again, this is a fight against two of the best, most cerebral strikers in the sport. How do I see it going down? I'm not going to lie to you. Robert Whitaker, the champion, is going to get torched in this fight. I'm going to be honest with you. I have been watching film all week. For the last couple weeks, I've been watching film, and I cannot lie to you guys. Everyone is talking about Robert Whitaker like he is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I think he's incredible. But he hasn't shown me enough. The fact that he has only fought twice in three years, and the last time that I've actually seen him compete, I got him getting blown out, and then even in the last round, I had him losing 10-8. Which brings me to my next point. Look at both guys' five-round fights. Against Uriah Hall, against Yoda Romero, 
in the late rounds, Robert Whittaker tends to fade and he starts getting pieced up. Now, that's when he's getting pieced up. He starts utilizing his wrestling. And that's what gave him a nod against uh, Uriah Hall. And even when he was fighting Yoel Romero, a silver medalist in the Olympics, he was didn't really work, but he was still utilizing his wrestling. But in those last rounds, he got pieced up. On the other hand, look at Israel Adesanya. Earlier this year, he was in a fight of the year candidate against Kelvin Gastelum. And those dudes went out there and brawled. It was a close fight. In the fifth round, what happened? Israel Adesanya dug deep and left no doubts. He left no doubts. He walked his opponent down and he beat him up. Now, Robert Whittaker's going out there saying Kelvin Gaslam's not as fast as me. He's not explosive as me. Fam, have you watched film? Have you paid attention at all? Because if he did, he would realize that Kelvin Gaslam honestly has shown more power than he has in his career. And Kelvin Gaslam has shown that he has incredible boxing and explosive ability. Kelvin Gaslam realistically might be a better version of Robert Whittaker. So that I think is such a fallacy that he's as quick. I think Israel Adesanya, his his activity and not only his activity is going to go out there is his activity is going to give him the nod against somebody who has not been in there enough. It is extremely difficult to after literally not fighting for a last year and a half your first fight back is against somebody who has fought five times in a calendar year they're accustomed to fighting they're accustomed to the big stage you're gonna come out there after not fighting for that amount of time to a 60,000 seat arena where fans screaming your name fam he's not gonna be ready He's not. And think about the pressure, fam. This is in his hometown. And not to mention the pressure of Australians versus New Zealanders. That in itself is a rivalry. So look, man, I got Israel Adesanya with a third round KO in this fight. I think it's going to be a great fight. I think Whitaker is going to give him some issues that he's not accustomed to. With that being said, yo, Icky going to get it. And this is going to pretell, um, not pretell, is going to pretty much springboard Israel Adesanya to being the biggest athlete in this sport. I can't wait, man. This, I, this Saturday can't come soon enough. For real. It can't. All right. Um, going on to the co-main event, man. I can't wait for this co-main event. I think this Coleman event is absolutely fire. This is the number six rank Al Ale Quinta against Dan the Hangman Hooker. Dan Hooker, man, another New Zealand dude. He's friends. He's teammates of Israel Asanya, and he has continued getting better in his career. Dude is an absolute dog. About a month and a half ago, he had a fight. He ended up fighting against James Vick, who was on a tear in his own right. This was one of those fights that was really like, yo, winner go home. You know, winner go home. And he ended up winning, so he's still on the court. After the fight, he called out, yo, who in the top 10 has it? I'm here. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And he wants to anybody in the top 10 who had who didn't have an opponent. It was either A, Tony Ferguson or B, Ally Quinta. And he said, yo, I want Raging Al because we all know Tony Ferguson at 155, the other fireweight class right now in the UFC, he deserves a title shot next. All right. Ally Quinta, the toughest real estate agent you'll ever see, has been fighting incredible over the last little bit. And this fight really made me think about it a lot. I was like, okay, who's going to win? Because when I first heard the matchup, I was like, oh, well, that should be an entertaining entertaining fight, right? And it still is going to be an entertaining fight. But I really do believe that this fight is going to be a tad bit more one-sided than people believe. I think Dan Hooker's great. He's fun. He's one of those young prospects in the sports. But I got 
Ally Quinta. And the reason I think Ally Quinta is going to get the nod in this one is because think about it, man. Look at Al's opponents. He's fought Kevin Lee twice. Kevin Lee is an absolute monster. He beat him twice. He beat Jorge Masvidal. If you listen to this show, you guys know how I feel about game bread. And he's headlining another fight. He beat him in a split decision. Granted, I had Jorge win in that fight, but he still was in there with him and beat him. Diego Sanchez, legend in the game, 90 seconds KO. Ross Pearson, always tough, savvy vet, KO'd him in the second round. Joe Lozon, legend in the game, KO'd in the second round. Khabib Nurmagomedov, the best fighter, arguably the most, the pound for pound number one man in the sport, gave him his toughest fight ever. Cowboy Cerrone, he's, so he's been in there with everybody. The best of the best. On the other hand, Dan Hooker's been in there with good guys, but everyone, when he fights these guys at the top, he tends to take an L. Jason Knight isn't even in the UFC anymore. He's out there fighting Artem Lobov and Bare Knuckle FC. Dan Hooker took an L. Edson Barbosa, always perennial top five guy in the lightweight division. He got KO'd. Yair Rodriguez beat the man too. So anytime he has an opportunity to fight somebody who is at the top of the division, he loses. And I can't lie, I think this is going to be more of the same. I think he's going to be motivated. I think he's going to put up a good fight. And I think this fight is going to be an absolute war that Al Quinta is going to go out there and win, man. It's going to be a great fight. It's going to be a great event. But absolutely, I got raging Al, man. Um... The rest of this fight and a couple notables that I want to bring up. Tai Tuovasa, the 14th ranked heavyweight in the world. He's on this card. Um, this is a big fight for him. He's taken a couple losses in a row. And um, this is one of those, again, you win or go home. He needs to win this fight. And I think they gave him an opponent that he can beat. Uh, Sergey Spivik is good, but he's unranked. Um, I see this being an easy win for Tai Tuovasa. Um, we also have Megan Anderson. Megan Anderson is a former Invicta 145-pound champion. She's amazing. She's had some tough luck since she's been in the UFC, but she's actually leading the undercard. Um, I think she's going to get a W uh, this weekend, man. So all in all, yo, this is an incredible fight card. You need to watch it. Like I said before, yo, this is one of those cards, the top two events in its own right, I'd pay a hundred bucks for. Hands down. Unfortunately, we have just icing on the cake. Ty Tuovasa, Megan Anderson, Diego Lima, and others. This is going to be an incredibly, incredibly fun fight card, man. So, um, yeah, man. Let's, let's go ahead and uh, enjoy <laughs> that one, man. And like I said, enjoy it, yo. And if you enjoy the podcast, you're enjoying what we're talking about, yo, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. Share. Remember, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all social media platforms. And do me a favor, man. Go on our website, thefightpodcast.com. Let us know how you feel. Talk to us. Um, yeah, you want me to answer questions and anything online? That's what I'm here for. That's what I'll do. So uh, have an opportunity to check them out. And remember, man, Sage Eats, Sage Eats Chicago. Um, if you want healthy meals, if you want a nutrition coach, if you want help with those things, that is what they're there for, man. And uh, right now, they actually have a deal for you guys. If you go out there and put on um, the promo code FIGHT on the website, man, you get 10% off your first three months, man. So go ahead and check them out. All right, all right, all right. Fight news. So we're going to do this with fight news. We're always going to try to give you guys five solid rounds, right? So five questions, five um, pretty much things, five, five pieces of news that I believe is important. It's something you guys should know for the week. You know, we always trying to keep you guys a little bit informed. Uh, but the biggest fight news of the week I want to start off with is last weekend, 
Michael Venom Page got a W, big win in Bellator, but there was a lot of drama in this with one of the best referees in the game, Dan Mirgliata. So, Michael Venom Page, after the fight, said that Dan Mirgliata called him a piece of shit. <laughs> he said he's a piece of shit. He even, when Michael Venom Page was, who was, I'm not going to lie, was showboating, was doing a lot. Um, he went out there and actually uh, took a point. From, he stood him up and he took a point, right? Michael Venom Page had a dominant position on the ground. He was acting like he was taking selfies, all kind of different stuff. But uh, all in all, Dan stood him up, took a point. People were pissed, talking all kind of trashed about Dan. And look, I, I have my own thoughts on it because at the end of the day, I agree with a lot of people. You're the referee. We're supposed to not. It's one of those like old school things that my grandmother in Atlanta used to tell me. Yo, you're a child. You're supposed to be seen and not heard. And that's the same way I feel about referees. Your job is to keep the athletes safe. We're supposed to barely see you. We don't want to hear from you. We don't. We, you are not supposed to be a part of the fight. But Dan went out there and, and felt as if he should tell his side of the story. So Dan went out there and said, look, man, I'm not going to say I didn't say it, but I was wrong for saying it. I shouldn't have gotten that angry, but I did. I screwed up. He said he, the reaction for him saying what he did or tell him he's a piece of shit was because once he was trying to tell him to continue moving and that's when he was telling Michael Venom Page, Michael Venom Page told Mirgliotta to go fuck off. Dan ended up saying, hey, man, I was pissed, bro. I'm 56 years old. I'm a grown man. I'm older than him. I show respect to everybody, which I'll admit he is one of the most respected referees in the game. When someone says fuck off to me like that with disrespect, I lost it. I never should have said what I said, and I know I was wrong. Under my breath, I turned, and one of his coaches was standing next to me. And I said, what a fucking piece of shit. However, he said he immediately knew he was wrong. I knew I was wrong. And especially with it being his coach right there. And I said, it. he said, what did you say? And I said, man, I apologize. I should have never said that. It was a bad matchup, and he was dominating the kid. He didn't have to do what he was doing. At one point, you can watch the video and probably read his lips. He was hitting him, then he stops and calls him a bitch. He hit him again, called him that again, and he did it a third time. So he was taunting the kid. So I was like, yo, I warned him, and he called it. I, and this is Dan again speaking, I will never do his fights again because I can never really look at him and not have the, the animosity towards him because I'm going not going to let someone tell me to F off. There's nothing I can do and I'm an official. It's not good for me or the sport. All right, check it out. It'd be easy for me to rip Dan again, but you know what? He apologized. Not only did he apologize, he owned up to it and he even took himself out of the equation. He said, you know what, yo? I, I, I can't do your fights anymore. I'll refer anybody else, but I don't have respect for this dude. This dude doesn't have respect for me. Let's just let bygones be bygones and let's never work together again. I respect that. Now, again, do I think you should interject yourself in the sport like that? No, but at the same token, yo, athletes, you can't go out there and shit on the referees. They're humans. They have opinions. They do things again. They're here to regulate the sport. I want entertainment value. Don't get it twisted. I love trash talk. But at the end of the day, there is a respect factor that goes into it. You cannot tell an official to go F off if you don't expect you want something else to happen, man. So it's interesting. I'm glad that Dan went ahead and cleared it up, man. Keep it with a little bit of drama. Round two. Ding, ding, right? <laughs> We got John Jones is back in the news. John Jones and uh, his coach, Mike Winklejohn, have a disgruntled coach, Frank Lester. Frank Lester went on social media and honestly went out there and, and crushed 
John Jones. And um, and apparently, again, he, and I'm going to read this little post for you guys. Not all of it, just some of it, because it's long. So apparently, Frank Lester, who's one of the coaches at Jackson Wink, who has recently left, said John Jones owed this dude over $13,000 and snubbed him on it. That's where he's pissy about. You snub me on some money. I have a family. Kick rocks, John. You're a dirty dude. And pretty much he also said it's on sight. I'm going to be honest with you, Frank Lester. I'm sure you're a good fighter. If it's on sight, John still puts the yammers on you. But regardless, um, the, the reason I want to bring this up is this. And John has a rebuttal. John Jones actually re- responded back by saying he gave the coach an opportunity of lifetime. He did not tell him that he was going to give him that much money. And if he's going to threaten his well-being, he'll call the Albuquerque Police Department. Womp womp. Let's not go there. The reason I wanted to bring this up is because here is another story of dissent in the ranks at Greg Jackson's and Mike Winklejohn's gym. This gym used to be praised as the epicenter for MMA. This was the best and biggest gym in the sport. Over the last couple of years, you've seen different cracks in the foundation. You've seen Rashad Evans leaving because of John Jones and Mike Winklejohn. We've recently seen Donald Cowboy Cerrone, longtime member of the team, leave, blaming whom else? Mike Winklejohn. We also had Diego Sanchez leaving the gym as well, blaming who else? Mike Winklejohn. And now we have this coach, Frank Lester. Look, I don't know what's going on over there, but other teams like American Top Team, a.k.a. And others, even City Kickboxing in New Zealand, right now is doing better than Jackson's Wink. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to be honest with you. This makes me feel more and more that, look, man, Mike and John, man, they might literally be doo-doo dudes, man. And if that's the case, why, if I am a top quality athlete, why would I go over there? And I think we're starting to see the ramifications of that, man. So look, I'll keep you guys posted on this drama, but uh, keep your eyes and ears open. Round three. <laughs> Moving on, man. Going to talk about a little bit of Bellator again. Um, Scott Coker, who is the president and CEO of Bellator MMA and kickboxing, um, said he is going to, and he wants to send their champ champ, their heavyweight and light heavyweight champion, Ryan Bader, to Ryzen so he can grab a third title. Bellator and Ryzen, Ryzen, these are two of the largest, I'd say the top five MMA organizations in the world. They have actually been sharing athletes. They had um, their 35-pound champ coming over to Bellator and fighting them there and vice versa. It's been really, really dope to see. And I love seeing organizations have these champions fighting one another, man. It's almost like if you had, for instance, the WBC in boxing and the IBF, like you having these legitimate unified champions. I understand why some groups don't want to do it, but as fans, yo, come on, let's put them out there. Let's see it. I love this. I love that they're doing this. And yo, if Ryan Bader goes out there and fights in rising, he will get another title. He will. He'll beat them. No doubt. Which brings me to my next point. Where does Ryan Bader rank pound for pound at light heavyweight? Heavyweight. At light heavyweight, I'm going to be honest with you. He's, in my mind, the number two best light heavyweight in the world. Behind John Jones. He's great. He's durable. He's grown. He's well-rounded. But he's not better than John. And honestly, if Daniel Cormier was down, he's not better than DC either. But he's still right there. In terms of heavyweight, I have him a little further down. Stipe Miocic, Daniel Cormier, Francis Ngannou, and honestly, probably like Curtis Blades, I will put ahead of um, Ryan Bader, who is a natural 205-pound guy. So as of right now, I got him at my number five light or heavyweight in the world and my number two light heavyweight in the world, which still, that means when you're the greatest fighters ever, yo. 
He's an incredible dude. I hope to see this happen so he gets his third belt and then he can legitimately be in that pound for pound around the sport conversation, man. So that should be really dope to watch. So let's keep our eyes and ears open for that. All right, round four. We're almost out of here, man. Um, Israel Adesanya's coach recently came out and said something that really caught my attention. I'm not going to lie. His coach, Eugene Behrman, whom I'm going to be honest with you, deserves coach of the year this year he have, if he has not won it already. But he says, when Israel wins this belt, we think he'll be the biggest star in the UFC. Basically. The biggest active star anyways. I know there's another star that's sitting out, but I also know Israel's goal was to be a bigger star than that guy as well. Conor McGregor. If it didn't have to be next year and you just wanted it to be as big of a fight as we could, then I think you'd fight the heavyweight champ. There's different things you can take advantage of that heavyweights do that the light heavyweights don't give you. Israel also when they followed up and said, yeah, definitely. I'd like the way he, he's thinking. He said he loves the way his coach is thinking. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, and Adesanya said he's focused on the, the task at hand and beating the opponent that he has in Robert Whitaker. Yo, man, I'm a, I, I like it. I like that he's going out there and actually calling out somebody that impressive. And you can tell he really wants greatness. I think the fight for him next, obviously, there's a litany of guys at 185 pounds. I think he needs to beat two or three more guys before he even starts goat hunting and going out there trying to get John Jones. I see that fight happening some point in time in 2021. And then after that, well, then we can see what happens. But as of right now, I want Iggy to pay attention to what he has to pay attention to. But I'm not going to stunt, man. I love the way they're thinking. I really do. And last, but certainly not least, my round five. Vanderlei Silva, the legend. He and the other legend, Mark Hunt, have both signed with Bare Knuckle FC. Dude, <laughs> my mind was blown. These are two legends of the sport. They both fought way back in the day in 2004 in, um, sorry, in Pride, and uh, Mark Hunt won the split decision. Vanderlei Silva, record of 35 wins, 12 losses, and a draw MMA. Mark Hunt, 13 wins, 14 losses, a draw, with a kickboxing record of 30 and 13. He is also the K1 Grand Prix champion. This is an entertaining fight. I hate that it's happening in the bare knuckle, but yo, bare knuckle FC has really been on it recently. They have been. It's been kind of nuts to see. They've been going out there doing so many different things. They've been out there. They actually, in October 19th, later on this month, they have a huge card headlined by Antonio Bigfoot Silva and Gabriel Gonzaga. So what bare knuckle FC seeming like it's doing is giving a lot of these guys who are a bit past their prime. They're no longer in the UFC, but they still want an opportunity to fight. And these guys are getting their opportunity to bare knuckle. Not going to lie. I don't love it. I don't. It, it, it's I'm all for the shits. I'm all for the, the, the drama. But at the end of the day, oh, yo, too many cuts. It's gruesome to watch. If you guys haven't had an opportunity, go look at Chris Lieben's face when he fought Dakota Cochran not too long ago. Nuts, yo. It's so crazy. And to be able to actually watch what happened and see how they get split open. Ooh. But the organization is getting bigger, bigger, and bigger. It's like it can't be stopped. Seriously, man. So um, I hate to admit it. I'm interested. Ah, it hurts to say, man. But when it happens, I'll be breaking it down. And after the fight happens, I'll definitely be talking about it. So, hey, Bare Knuckle FC, man, kudos to you guys, man. Seriously, you're keeping us entertained. And what more can we ask for? Um, last but not least, man, uh, we had some notable fight announcements that just got announced. Crazy. Kevin Lee perennial contender at 155 pounds 
is going to fight Gregor Gillespie, the other huge contender, 155 pounds at UFC 244, November 2nd in New York City. Yo, really quick, let me run down this fight card for you guys. This card's headlined by, obviously, the, the BMF belt, Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz, co-main event. Kelvin Gastelum versus Darren Till. After that, we have Corey Anderson versus the biggest prospect in the sport, Johnny Walker. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Vicente Luque. Huge fight at 170. That's a huge fight at 170. The Corey Anderson-Johnny Walker fight is a huge fight at 205 with title implications. Wonderboy versus Luque, huge title fight implications. Jorge Masvidal Diaz, huge title fight implications. Derek Lewis versus uh, Ivanov. Huge title fight implications at heavyweight. And then we have Kevin Lee and Gregor Gillespie. This is a fight or a fight card of the year contender. And on paper, it is the most entertaining fight card of the year. Now, would it live up to fruition? Man, I, I think so. I legitimately think so. This is one of those cards that I don't see being bad. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Yo, UFC, you do it again, man. Every time I try to poo-poo on you guys for garbage cards, you, you, you bless us with one of these. Uh, Bellator, same thing. I've been crushing you guys recently, but you, you have some solid, solid, solid stuff happening as of late, man. So all in all, man, great fight weekend coming up. This fight card, UFC 2 or 2.43 is on Saturday. That's in Melbourne. It starts at 9 p.m. Central Time or something around there. Um, but, uh, yo, this is going to be incredible. Um, I can't wait to see it. And uh, with that being said, hey, that's about all we have for today, man. So, as always, if you like what you're listening to, yo, tell your friends. Tell everybody again, this is the Fight Podcast. You can find us everywhere podcasts are available. We are iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, We have amazing interviews that we do. Check out my interview this past week with Alejandra Azul Lara. She is one of the best fighters in the world. She fights for Bellator. She is an absolute beast. Also on that episode, I have strength coach of a lot of the best pro athletes in the world, Derek Baker, and so much more, man. Check us out there. Um, remember, man, Sage Eats. Sage Eats is here for you guys. Uh, www.sageeatschicago.com. Go ahead, man. Uh, sign up. You get 10% off of your first three months, man. So that is amazing. All in all, yo, love you guys. We'll be back soon. We have a lot more fire content coming up for you guys. But with that being said, this has been episode 145 of the Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Serge Vicente. Follow me at Serge Vicente. Follow the Fight Podcast at the Fight Podcast. And I'll see y'all next time right here on the Fight Podcast. Deuces! Deuces!